Alice Onlin and Herbert Konings are founding partners of Security Token Group. All opinions expressed by them or guests on this podcast are solely their opinions and do not represent the views of Security Token Group or its subsidiaries. You should not take any opinion expressed on the show as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow any investment strategy. This podcast is for informational purposes only. This week, we'll be discussing why not all STOs will need crowdfunding. But before we do, we'll proceed with our normal programming, starting, of course, with our companies of the week, followed by some industry updates, the latest STOs, the trading activity update, and then, of course, our main topic. I'm excited about this episode, Herwig. I think that this is a title and and certainly a topic that a lot of people that are not quite as familiar with the mechanics behind a security token, this might not be intuitive to them. Oftentimes, you're just immediately thinking a security token offering has to be a crowdfunded raise. I think it's exciting to dig into it this week because we're not we're gonna be showing you how that's not always the case. I, I am too, Kyle, but you know what? Hold your tongue. I wanna know your company of the week first. What do you got? Let's get right into it. My company of the week this week is GSX Group, who just announced the launch of their first security token on their platform. That, that security token is Tribe OS, which is an advertising technology firm that has been successfully launched using GSX Group's issuance platform known as Grid. We actually covered Grid on the podcast a few weeks ago, talking about its initial launch, and now they have their first client. And on top of their issuance platform, GSX Group also operates the Gibraltar Stock Exchange, which is an EU-regulated marketplace for both traditional and tokenized debt securities, funds, and now tokenized equities. So the platform has notable investors and continues to build on the hype generated around smaller market liquidity providers like Merge, Blockstation, Tokenize, and more. So we're going to dig into exactly what Tribe OS is a little bit later in the episode, and hopefully I'll be able to work with GSX to find out exactly when this token is going live on secondary markets so you can count on me for the market data when it does. But congratulations to GSX for launching their first client, and hopefully this is on the road for them to go live with secondary trading for security tokens. Yeah, that's super awesome news. You know, more signs that the industry is continuing to tokenize regardless of Corona and everything else that's happening. And I believe this is the first uh, issuer to be launching through their platform, so that's exciting for them. Congratulations to GSX Group making moves. Uh, great win. Let me tell you about mine, Kyle. Please. Uh, you know, as we've talked about plenty of times on the show, fractionalized real estate investing is one of those mega trends to rise from security tokens. And it's even honestly stemmed back originally to equity crowdfunding without tokens. Now, however, the focus was primarily during equity crowdfunding in the US and on US real estate. And now I'm excited to give my company of the week award to a brand new platform dedicated to real estate token investing. Actually, for as little as 100 dollars worth of British pounds to to invest and of course also to investors all around the world. So the firm behind this platform is called Shareable Asset and they launched last week focusing on a student housing initiatives first in Singapore roughly with a pipeline of about 50 to 100 million they say and another Australian portfolio of real estate worth twice that amount also potentially on the way. So this is just really great work. Uh, the team at Shareable Asset has done in a sense of bringing that vision of real estate 
investing to the masses. They've developed a simple mobile app where you can sign up, get vetted, and start investing. And the company is fully regulated by the MAS. That's the SEC equivalent of Singapore. So they're completely compliant. And eventually, they say they will trade the real estate on their own exchange, according to their press release down the road. So, you know, the company already claims to have attracted between two to 300 investors since launching last week. And if they keep that pace up, they'll have tens of thousands of investors, I'm sure, by the end of the year, which is, of course, extremely exciting. Congratulations to Shareable Asset for bringing real estate investing to the world via security tokens. Congratulations. That's exciting. Real estate is clearly a use case we've seen done before and is demanded by the market. I like the fact that they're focusing on low minimum investments and, and keeping that a priority so that there's more access to investors all around the world from any different uh, any different style of life and, and financial situation. And, and uh, it's fantastic news. Singapore, again, is just continuing to, to push forward and lead the way. You do need at least about $122 uh, US dollars. <laughs> $122 is nice. Which is, of course, a game changer. And with that, let's jump right into the news. And before we do, I do want to remind all our listeners, especially those of you who are new, that all of the articles that Kyle and I discuss on the show, they are sourced from stomarket.com slash news and are also available for reference in the about description of the podcast itself or on the Security Token Show Medium blog. And with that, to start off the global news side of things, this week we start over in Russia, where the government posted an update on their on-digital assets law. And it's not pretty for cryptocurrencies. The law is now expanded to prohibit the circulation of all cryptocurrencies as well as their mining and advertising, or as Artem Kalikov, who's the chief, chief product officer of Waves Enterprises, describes it, quote, people who own one or two bitcoins are not at risk. But all cryptocurrency exchanges and wallets hosted on Russian sites with a .ru at the end of it are now at risk. So to be clear, the new law doesn't mean that Russian citizens cannot own digital financial assets. Legally, it's still okay. However, it's worth mentioning that it's the Central Bank of Russia that is responsible for issuing the rules for the inclusion in cryptos as a security, which of course has yet to happen and has been debated since 2018. Now, as Russia continues to develop its cryptocurrency definition, one thing is clear. There is a favoritism towards the technology for use in securities and potentially even a state-issued digital ruble. Now, the new law doesn't go in effect until later this summer, so there may be some chances to, to react. And, you know, who knows? Maybe at that point we may even see some movement from regulators and legislators in Russia on tokens and cryptocurrencies. And speaking of central bank-issued digital currencies, it looks like China's version of that will not be using stable coins or even blockchain initially. The, the E1, if you will, digital currency has already been rolled out and is being tested in four different major cities in China and is already accepted by McDonald's, Starbucks, among other major international businesses, which is a big deal when it comes to a central bank digital currency being adopted. Richard Turin, who's the author of an upcoming book called China's Digital Currency Revolution, opined a piece about the scaling concerns the People's Bank of China have brought up, which is ultimately why they said that distributed technology or distributed ledger technology is not going to be used initially. However, the author does believe that it will make its way eventually in underlying systems as part of the overall digital currency architecture. 
And you know, if you will, that means now it's merely just described as a better evolution of Alipay or WeChat, or in reality, what this new CBDC by China Central Bank is supposed to be is a state-owned version of them, right? So that instead of having to use a third-party private service, you are now just using the Central Bank of China's app to make transfers. And still, of course, there is room for potential always, and China is likely to become the fastest mover in the world in the end when it comes to a central bank digital currency being adopted. So great to know that there's always that evolution potential. And of course, on that same note of CBDCs, as the acronym stands, one of the world's top venture capitalists, who is Sequoia China's founder, Neil Shen, suggested that Hong Kong develop a cross-border stablecoin solution that can be adopted by Japan, South Korea, and China. More details about the use cases and the rollout were not really available, but given that it was suggested by Neil Shen himself at the Chinese People's Political Consultative Conference, the remark may end up spurring some action. <laughs> and moving into some industry announcements, my company of the week a couple of episodes ago, Tokenize, Earn, which earned it, by the way, for launching their compliant token stock exchange last month, has announced that they have successfully partnered with GMEX, which was initiated back in September of 2019 in order to include GMEX's multi-asset digital and conventional exchange and post-trade business and technology solutions in the tokenized stock exchange. GMEX is known for providing blockchain exchange technology as it was also selected by DPEN to build the SECDEX or the Securities, Commodities and Derivatives Exchange based in Seychelles, which for those of you who don't know is an island off of East Africa. We're, we're expecting the, the first set of issuers to be listing their security tokens on the tokenized token uh, stock exchange in the coming months for sure. And another firm has reached, by the way, the heralded milestone of being licensed to provide exchange services. And this time it has been earned by a company called Nomisma, who received its MIFID II license by the Liechtenstein Financial Monetary Authority, which of course gives them the ability to operate an MTF, which is a multilateral trading facility, or essentially what is the equivalent here in the US as an ATS license, an alternative trading system license. And so they are supposed to be the first firm to have received this license from the LFMA, and they are notably backed both by Consensus and Susquehanna International Group, which for those of you who don't know, SIG, they are a designated primary market maker in approximately 600 equity options, 45 index options, and across multiple exchanges all around the world. In other words, they're one of the largest market maker service providers out there. And now Momisma can provide trading services to European investors, as well as through some passporting methods, also reach investors in Hong Kong and Singapore using this newly granted license. And although it doesn't give them full coverage necessarily across all digital assets and cryptocurrencies, the founder and CEO of Momisma, Dimitrios Kavatas, says that they can trade, quote, derivatives on digital assets, including payment, utility, and security tokens. I'm sure I can speak for Kyle that we hope that they end up supporting security tokens more than just focusing, of course, on the utility and payment side, which is what they originally spawned uh, to focus on. And of course, maybe if they even had a larger focus on security tokens, this is such big news. Honestly, they may have even edged out for company of the week if they did. Mm -hmm. So we're definitely going to keep an eye on them and we'll, we'll, we'll for sure keep you updated on all their news. Absolutely. And Liechtenstein continues, of course, to prove itself as a security token leader in Europe with that news, but also with this. Liechtenstein Crypto Assets Exchange, or LCX as it's known, has announced the STO Launchpad uh, last week. 
Now that essentially this is an end-to-end -end issuance platform created by LCX to let you launch an STO in Liechtenstein. Now it's unclear what the costs are and what blockchain or smart contracts are being used other than it all is of course all LCX's proprietary technology. They're now currently seeking applicants and we're definitely gonna try to dig up more information about this program. And next up, we have an exciting fundraising announcement from LayerX, which is a blockchain development firm working with the likes of MUFG, which is the fifth biggest bank in the world, and others to provide digitization technology using blockchain. The company just announced raising 3 billion yen, which is essentially 28 million US dollars worth of financing to help the company accelerate its presence in Japan. LayerX has been known to have been around with Japanese securities brokerages, including in April when Mitsui & Co. announced their tokenized real estate fund with LayerX as their partner. And reports also suggest that the company may be working with SMBC Miko Securities, as well as with Sumitomo Mitsui Trust Bank. Definitely that, keep an eye on yeah. MUFG, man. They, they are the fifth largest bank in the world, as you said. And on top of that, have been very, very active in the security token space. They've been investing in companies. They've committed to tokenizing a lot of their, their previous settlements and bringing a lot of that on chain uh, to be able to track and analyze that more effectively. They are all in on this, and uh, it's a huge player to have you know, back in the industry, which is fantastic. Always a good thing to have financial institutions lead the way. And also, if that's not enough proof that Japan's security token ecosystem is really heating up, Last week, Fujitsu, which is a multi-billion dollar IT company, announced a partnership with Boostry, which is Nomura Securities Venture for tokenizing bonds, what they call using the iBet platform, which was of course developed under Boostry. Now, according to the article, during March and April, the two companies ran experiments to exchange digital assets for pseudo cash, as they described, which presumably means that it was tokenized cash, for settlement. And using what they call the quote, connection chain, the companies demonstrated the interconnection of two entirely separate systems. The two firms plan to establish a business model and offer the interconnection platform sometime before March 2021, according to the article. And London-based custody provider Coin last week assigned a joint venture with Canada-based company DTM Global Holdings to deliver post-trade solutions to traditional exchanges and digital securities trading venues. DTM will work closely with Coin to develop a custody and settlement solution for e-digital securities for partners including, by the way, the Metropolitan Stock Exchange of India, as well as others. And Coin will also integrate with Venture Exchange, which is DTM's trading platform with the MSEI to enable investors to trade in what they are describing as certain digital portfolios through the exchange once they are listed. Additionally, a second partnership will be to develop DTM's DigiX platform, which is supposed to be a digital securities market they are planning to release themselves. I'm definitely going to be looking forward to those plans going live. And now that marks yet another security token exchange planned for launch. Exciting stuff. And on the protocol level, Swarm, which is an open source security token protocol, has made an update now adding fundraising smart contracts to their library. Last week, they announced in beta the SPF or Swarm Powered Fundraising Smart Contracts designed to make it easy to create a campaign and manage investors for your SRC20 powered token. Swarm is similar to Polymath in the way that they use a native token to power the services, but Swarm is an open source project designed to be trustless in that regard and decentralized. Now we'll wait to see, of course, if some of these big issuances start to come out of this beta. Of course, we're going to continue to keep an eye on them. 
And over in Israel, issuance platform River was chosen by primary markets to provide their clients an enhanced way to keep track of their investor records using distributed ledger technology, manage new fundraises, manage secondary trading, and of course, distribute their offerings globally through an online, secure, and independent platform powered, of course, by River's issuance technology. And this is actually significant for River as well because it marks their first uh, licensing agreement with a broker-dealer. Wow. So congrats to, to River moving on up in, into the institutional world. And I'm sure we're going to see some cool news as a result of that partnership too. Absolutely. Congrats to River. We know David very well from, from their team, David Benziri. And, uh, and so hopefully, you know, best of luck to them. And then we have some opinions to end on a new segment here that I definitely felt are worth sharing with you. Starting off with my theme of a real estate from Company of the Week, there's an article that I recommend you read by Garat Hassenstab titled, The Digital Real Estate Revolution of 2020. Are you prepared? And I think it is a great resource. It's intensive, it's exhaustive. There's a lot of articles and benefits describing why you know investing in digital real estate uh, through the many companies working in the space is now possible. It basically encompasses all angles and types of real estate. So whether you're a broker, a developer, or an investor, I definitely recommend you read this article. And another great op-ed came out last week, this one written by Securitize's general counsel, Brian Farber. Brian has a unique perspective because he's got the legal background, but also the knowledge on security tokens, working with a leading platform such as Securitize. So he has gone and tackled the hot topic of why there isn't more liquidity in the space right now. And he's got four great insights as to why. And I'm not going to tell you what they are on the show, so go read the article. <laughs> and finally, one of STM's very own head of marketing, Jonas Schulman, did an interview with Crowdfund Insider. And he's talking about, of course, the benefits of security tokens. Omar Faridi digs into some questions about the market, about security tokens, and the value of blockchain technology. It's a superb interview, if you ask me. But of course, I'm also biased. <laughs> I liked it, too. And that's all I have for you amazing listeners today on the news. Hope you all enjoyed that scoop. And I don't know, but Kyle, let's do it. Tell us about some of these industry events and the market update. I hope you're not tired of Zoom calls because we've got another one. This is from Security Tokens Realized, which has quickly become one of the leaders in the virtual space for security tokens. Give them a lot of credit. They've got a whole list of events that are going to be coming out. It seems like almost monthly or every other month they have some kind of event that they're coming out with. We've seen that historically. And as you can see in their event page on their website, they have, I think there's one in August, there's one in October, there's one in, so they're, they're really doing some great stuff. So shout out to them. And this one is an, a webinar speaker event where it's going to be a panel and it's it's about will digitizing capital markets create a whole new user experience and so unfortunately the speakers haven't been announced yet so i'm excited to see who they bring on and and who's available to do that um, but it's going to be about how i'm going to guess how digitizing the capital markets will create a new user experience um, because I, I definitely think Herwig and I will have our own thoughts on, on what might change the quick well. answer is yes <laughs> tuesday june 30th from 11 to 12.30 Eastern time. So do not miss out on that. That will be a, the same day as a podcast release for a week. We come out with this every Tuesday. And, uh, and so you can check that out as well. Awesome. Mo moving into some new security token offerings as well. Uh, we have an update and this is, a, or this is a market report rather, and this is from security token market. So me and Jonah compiled a big report 
for May 2020. We post every month a full breakdown of, of the trading action and history. You certainly catch a lot of it here on the podcast, but it's nice to have it summarized and we make some conclusions about that. But just a couple quick bullets. The market was up 5% in May over as a whole. The trading volume was up 135% in the month of May. And T0 is no longer the market cap leader. So regarding which asset that is, you might have to stick around the podcast for maybe two or three more minutes and I think you're gonna figure it out. But regardless, it is very interesting stuff. And again, that market up 5% and trading up 135% doesn't include our new tokens that were added that have had a pretty significant impact. So that's all kind of in a vacuum. So that doesn't count the fact that now our market cap has essentially doubled. So check all that out and more in this month's market report. You get that every, the first Monday of every month. Moving forward, I have a continuation on my company of the week story. We're talking about Tribe OS, which is going to be launching on the GSX, the Gibraltar Stock Exchange. And so, as we mentioned earlier, Tribe OS is an advertising tech company that specializes in lead generation and advertiser sales. And so they provide a tech solution that prevents advertiser fraud through scammers and bots. And so they're looking to leverage blockchain technology to track all the transactions, both in terms of what you're paying for as well as who you're paying for in terms of that lead generation. So they're leveraging a security token and they made security token headlines over a year ago, actually before we even started the podcast back in March of 2019. And in March they announced they had received federal approval by the Bermuda Minister of Finance, Curtis L. Dickinson, according to the ICO Act of 2018 in Bermuda. So they were approved federally to conduct a security token offering in Bermuda according to their new regulations. And so from there, they actually completed their fundraise for their security token, which is going to be the FIRE token. F-I-R-E is the ticker. And they were successfully able to raise $3.1 million in a security token offering back in 2019. And so the token has its own page on TribeOS's website, and there they describe the token that it has rights to a revenue share of the company's income. And this is pretty significant because on their website, TribeOS does claim to have $30 million in pre-sale revenue for this year alone. So if they're going to be pulling in $30 million this year or on track for something similar, I mean, this, this revenue share could be very legit. It does seem, though, that the company is referring to the asset as an equity token. But please be cautious. The only asset that is being sold here is a revenue sharing token. So there's no ownership in the Tribe OS company with this offering, at least from what I understand. I'm happy to make a correction there if, if things are different, but it seems like they're not calling it a security token. They're essentially calling it an equity token because it does have an asset value. Um, and don't let that confuse you. It's not equity, it's a revenue share. So um, you know, some people may feel some way about that. I have not been, I, I didn't love that T0 did a very similar thing. T0 calls their token the T0 preferred equity token, when in reality it is a revenue share. That does seem to be something that happens. Not my favorite thing because equity does have is a real asset that I think should be distinguished. But again, this is not mine, and, and they certainly the investors that have participated had no issue with it. But just wanted to make that known. Additionally, the team is working with GSX who have issued the tokens. So they did their fundraise last year. It seems like the tokens have been issued to the investors and presumably they'll be launching the FIRE token on their exchange. So I'm not exactly sure. It doesn't seem like there's any necessarily 
date for when that's going to go live on GSX. Maybe it's live now. I'm trying to do my research and figure it out, trying to get in touch with the team. And so if I get more information, I'll certainly mention it on next week's episode or as soon as I can. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast on your favorite streaming platform, whether that's Spotify or Apple Music. You also can, can find us on the Google Podcast or Google Play Store and YouTube as well. We also post. And then on top of that, make sure you connect with us on LinkedIn, connect with us on Twitter. We're posting all the time the STO show on Twitter or certainly Perwig or myself. You can find us pretty much anywhere. So stay subscribed so that you get the updates there. Moving into the market update, we have a crazy week this week just because of the fact that the T0 the marketplace, ATS, whatever words you want to call it, T0 is blowing up, man. The total STO market cap, we'll start there, is 104.7 million, which is up about 15% from last week. And on top of that, T0 as a marketplace has been flying. Since the overstock airdrop, the activity on the ATS has skyrocketed. OSTKO has seen over half a million dollars in trading volume just this week. T0 saw close to 100K this past week as well. So to put those numbers into perspective, that 600K is about 50% of the total market volume through the first four months that they did in just one week. So Herwig, you made a great point earlier about the trading volume for Overstock, and so I'm gonna, gonna take that right now. If we compare the daily volume that Overstock has seen over the last week and compare that to cryptocurrencies that are trading on CoinMarketCap, Overstock would have actually broken into the top 100 based off trading volumes. So based on trading volumes, it actually would sit right around 99, beating out Flexacoin, which has a $91 million market cap, almost twice the size of Overstock Digital. So T0 also saw a very high initial volume. So this may or may not last for Overstock, but it is very impressive and it, it clearly shows the viability of launching a security token and competing on a tech and market level with those crypto markets. Very exciting stuff. Amazing. On top of that, CEO Sam Norsalehi of T0 announced that T0 is adding new broker-dealer partners to their platform. As a reminder, T0 is a registered ATS, which is an alternative trading system. This essentially means that they've been approved to facilitate the transfer of security tokens. However, they need a broker-dealer's license to actually provide the front-facing platform to bring in investors that they can use to buy and sell the assets like many are familiar with when using platforms like TD Ameritrade or Robinhood. We know T0 is in the process of getting approved for that brokerage license, but until then, they actually have to work with other partners in order to actually provide the user experience for investors. So hopefully that makes sense, but T0 essentially is providing the back-end facilitation or trading of these things, but they can't provide the front-end until they have that broker-dealer license. So T0 originally launched with only one broker-dealer partner on their platform. We've covered them many times, you may be familiar with Dinosaur Financial. With these two new additions though, T0 can offer its securities to new brokerages users, but it also doesn't need to rely on just Dinosaur Financial for the services that they need. Clearly, this is a pretty crucial piece of the puzzle. The announcement was a little unclear from T0, as only one of the two brokers were named. So the one that we do know is Choice Trade, which is a day trading platform that offers a low minimum investment and has been operating for 17 years. It's exciting because it's a day trading platform. I looked it up and, and found some reviews from Investopedia where they were comparing a lot of different brokerage services. 
and it didn't have the highest reviews. It certainly wasn't a five out of five stars. I think on Investopedia, they, they ranked it as 2.2 out of five. So not the, the highest esteemed public securities exchange, but they've been in business for a while. This is nothing new for them. And they're, they're, they're a high frequency, low minimum investment kind of trading book. And for T0 and for Overstock, these are retail investment opportunities. So it is valuable to have a, a user facing um, brokerage that can support that. The other broker though, which was described in the press release as a multinational publicly traded investment bank with financial services um, and as a financial services company focused on institutional brokerage. So they described this company and that sounds like a real winner. That's an A plus broker dealer that we want working with T0 and facilitating and supporting security tokens, but they're unnamed. And honestly, I find that a little weird. Like why make that announcement if you don't have the clearance to name drop and really make a big press launch about it? I mean, Choice Trade is a nice addition, but it doesn't seem to be the preferred platform for a majority of public investors. And so this publicly traded multinational bank seems to be the real headline worthy client of this announcement. So I'm really looking forward to learning more about this partner. And certainly we're gonna bring that news to you as soon as we can find out who that is, because I think that's gonna be a real game changer. Remember, the broker-dealer is that, that piece that you had to transfer your overstock shares from one broker to another. So if this is somebody like a Fidelity or TD Ameritrade or something like that, in the future, these airdrops and stuff would be seamless, which is fantastic. In terms of other tokens, we also had a few weird trades on the market this week. The other one that really caught my attention was a seemingly innocent $11 sale of blockchain capital tokens. However, this one trade, $11 trade, caused the price of BCAP to crash nearly 60%. In what I can only describe as massive slippage, it seems like one investor tried to sell shares of BCAP at $1.01 when the price had been steadily holding in the mid $2 range. It looks like no one was willing to buy at that price any higher than that $1 offer. So the price was filled and the trade was executed. This massive slippage shows that there is very shallow liquidity and very low investor demand, even for one of the most legitimate projects that I see on Open Finance's platform. It also was a tough week, unfortunately, for the rest of the market. Many of the real estate properties did have a significant decline from, from three to five to even 10% for one or two of the properties. So this is the first week I can actually remember since we've tracked these tokens that we had all six of the real estate properties in the red at the same time. So not super great news there, but again, overshadowed by the fact that T0 and Overstock have been blowing everything out of the water and uh, it's been fantastic. And with that, Roig, I think it's time to, to dig into the main topic a little bit. I wanna hear a little bit more about yeah. that. I mean, first of all, great job on that market report. The team always does great and definitely a fascinating month. I think it's only just telling of what's to come. But let's get into it. So, you know, the concept of the security token is kind of, you know, pretty synonymous right now, at least where it stemmed from, you know, with the ICO, which is, you know, kind of completely crowdfunded publicly. So I thought it might be a good idea to take an episode and clarify why not all security tokens will need to be crowdfunded. And actually, in fact, that a huge majority of them won't. I think that's great. I know that you have a very deep background in equity crowdfunding and even you know, participated in the ICO phenomenon. Can you tell us what you mean by raising from the crowd? Uh, 
absolutely. It's my pleasure because this is you know what I'm super passionate about at the end of the day uh, is crowdfunding. And as a sense, it's actually as a concept predated the ICO quite a bit. You know? and, and actually, I think as a story, Kyle, and for our listeners, it's very interesting how what we saw play out with what we, what we call rewards-based crowdfunding and equity crowdfunding played out kind of with ICOs and SCOs. So a little backdrop is, you know, crowdfunding was really pioneered by a company called Kickstarter back in 2007. And for the next few years, crowdfunding became an innovative way to launch an idea with funding from the crowd instead of having to go to a bank or an investor. It was and still is an extremely popular model and it's resulted in dozens and hundreds really of incredible products and projects that have come to market but one company in particular grew too big so vr company oculus sold for over two billion dollars to facebook and managed to launch that company by pre-selling their products to backers raising some 2.4 million dollars in their original crowdfunding campaign so when initial backers realized that when some of them basically got a t-shirt and instead had potentially received shares or equity within the company, they might have gotten instead thousands of dollars or more. Uh, and so this sort of put a spotlight on the concept of crowdfunding, potentially <laughs> ripping off their investors, if you will, or their backers in this case. Sound familiar? Now, this was in 2014 when the company got acquired and less than six months, uh, that's less than six months actually that after the new equity crowdfunding laws in the United States had been passed and codified. So this is you know, really actually perfect timing. It spurred an already growing movement where the goal was to enable small businesses to raise money from anyone in the US, not just accredited investors. And this sort of Kickstarter VR uh, acquisition really put a spotlight on it. So then came this concept and this rise of equity crowdfunding. And it didn't need to just focus on businesses, but it recognized the power of a digital fundraising platform Equity crowdfunding then spread across all asset classes and financing types with real estate being one of the biggest adopters. And similarly, if we now go back to ICOs, they also didn't necessarily offer incentives or protections for their backers. And STOs quickly rose up as an alternative that did offer those benefits, just like with the equity crowdfunding uh, industry. And even the equity crowdfunding industry itself now, Kyle, has also, of course, started to take advantage of tokenization technology. Interesting. So crowdfunding is relatively new across the board, which means that everything else is done traditionally in private. So one of the mistakes I think we see often in the industry is this assumption that an STO has to be a crowdfunding campaign. Exactly right. That's why we're talking about this. Just because you use a website to facilitate a fundraise does not mean that the fundraise has to be crowdfunded in the sense that you now need to market publicly to potentially interested investors to participate. At the end of the day, 99% of private markets finance is done through private fundraising, not through crowdfunding. As, as awesome as equity crowdfunding has been, raising hundreds of billions of dollars, Trillions of dollars every year are raised in private markets privately. So private companies can still have dozens or hundreds or even thousands of shareholders and therefore security tokens as a technology would make capitalization table management easier. It also makes paying dividends easier and cheaper. It also enables digital voting. All, all of these benefits and many more 
that I haven't even mentioned, they're, they're not mutually exclusive from crowdfunding. So if 99% of finance is still done private, a majority of STOs will actually probably also be done privately, not relying on crowdfunding, unless like with my company of the week, the entire point for them is to leverage fractional ownership or expose a wider audience to a specific asset class, which is also, by the way, something that helps with liquidity in the long run. And it also means that many of the tokens that end up getting listed on exchanges may not even have to have had a public security token offering that the market was aware of. In that sense, the number of crowdfunded STOs may actually be a small representation of the actual market of tokenization. So this is something that we cover all the time with all of these institutional deals. You're not getting access to many of these institutional debt offerings. Or these, it's just, that's just the reality of this situation. This we know in the form of many financial institutions taking existing private placements and putting them onto the blockchain. Or another example is real estate groups looking to sell a portfolio or a specific asset they already owned. Exactly, right? So the, you know, that's kind of the lesson that we're getting at here today. Not all security tokens need crowdfunding, and actually most won't. But still though, I have to say crowdfunding offers its own benefits that combined with an STO, you know, they exactly, it can be extremely beneficial in the long term, especially for when it comes to building a brand for your token, creating an audience, and obviously a larger group of early advocates. And ultimately, as I mentioned, helping you build towards liquidity with a more diverse uh, group of potential interested investors so absolutely you you gave that great example of kickstarter and, and all those different pieces and kickstarter usually uses it as pre-sold revenue whereas you could potentially have some kind of early investors in sort of a seed round essentially of getting this thing off the ground but i think that those crowdfunding benefits are best to be discussed on another episode herwig and so in terms of private fundraising i think that's all we've got for you today hope to catch you next week Tuesday mornings, check it out. Thanks for listening.